Welcome to the FPL USA Press Play Podcast. We're recording a special Sunday night episode due to the festive fixture pileup. It's a crazy calendar for the Premier League and for all your favorite footy-focused content creators. So, unfortunately for this episode, we are playing a man down, and it's only Bucks and Blackwolf on the mic. Blackwolf, how you feeling, baby? Well, when you messaged me today and you were saying that you fancied a quickie, this is not what I had in mind, Bucks, but I'll take it. I've been feeling hey, a little. Been don't tell on. Don't tell. Me. Don't tell on us to the wives, Dan. Come on. Ah, she knows. She's okay with it. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've been feeling a little rough this week. Unfortunately, I I missed Brian. I was supposed to see him in San Francisco yesterday, and the timing just didn't work out because I've had a bit of an illness. But I'm I'm doing good now. I'm ready to go. Love it. Let's uh, wish Brian a safe drive home from the Bay Area back to LA, where he now lives. And uh, I know he was really thrilled to get to San Francisco. He partially hosted an FPL meets uh, get together and uh, Black Wolf ghosted that, but he's here on the podcast, which is why we love him. Guy's a true legend and uh, one of the best content creators in the game. Oh, wow. Some some uber butt kissing here now, Bucks. You're feeling a little guilty about how well you're doing lately. There's no guilt. I'm just uh, trying to <laughs> spread the joy around because there's so much coming to me at the moment in the FPL game. So great transition. Like I said, pros pro we got on the podcast with Black Wolf. Let's start with Soggy Sorrows for our missing in action colleague, Brian, the low man on the totem pole in overall rank and in his game week 14 score lands on 60 points. He does get a green arrow, 50,000 spots up the rank. So now he's at 1.4 million. And as we discussed with some of the other amazing guests we've had on the podcast, this is where the climb starts. You know, if you're at a rank you're not thrilled about, it's all about just putting a couple game weeks of consistency together. One green arrow builds on the next one. And all of a sudden you're at a rank where you really can see goals that you are excited about. Maybe Brian can start his climb up to the 100K rank starting with this game week 14 performance. How about you, Black Wolf? You were under the weather, but how'd your team do? It, it could have been a disaster. Like before earlier today, it was looking really, really terrible. And I was quite upset, to be honest. But I ended up finishing on 68, 64 with a, a minus four hit, which is a, a tiny, tiny green arrow up until 220k. But the good thing is here is that I kept Watkins. And I'll be completely honest here. I would have liked to have went to Darwin. I was really jealous that you and Brian did it. But I just couldn't do it because I had too many other issues in my team. So I just thought, fuck it, I will play him and hope for the best. And then him and Diaby get 15 points between them to to save my ass. So I have to be pretty happy with that. Dan, just plug the listeners in a little bit. How bad was it? Because I think I think you were thinking about pulling any remaining hairs out of your head uh, based on how it was looking about 9.30 a.m., this morning it was it was pretty bleak here on the east coast when i was looking at your rank yeah 9 30 a.m this morning i was on for a 250k red arrow i was going to be around the 450k 500k area but then watkins came good the abbey came good i took a hit for cern and he came good i had a harlan captain who came good who beat salah as captain so they really saved my ass because it was looking bad books it really was yeah, that's ain't that the truth. I was I was thinking that you might just kind of take a mental health day after a physical health day yesterday because of how the game week was shaping up. But then 
it all kind of turned up Black Wolf in the last couple hours of the game week, which we love to see. All right, on to me. I'm the gloating goat right now of the podcast because I continue to smash it. Ninth straight green arrow for my team. I land on 73 points and I'm up to 3,300 in the world right now. So I had visions of being even higher, honestly. This is this is kind of the, the headspace that I'm in right now. Everything is going so golden for me that I was like, Cash, he's got to stay on the bench. I'm going to get that Livermento seven-pointer coming in, bench jam. And Darwin and Sterling come in. There was a penalty. I thought Sterling might take it. He was still on the field. I was saying, oh, I was already counting those points. And Darwin spelled how many chances he had like I think at least two legitimate chances at scoring a goal, but Ollie Watkins is the one who's actually scoring the goal. So net net, I'm down 11 points in my transfer moves made this game week, but still I think my team is so well set up and I feel like I'm a transfer ahead of most of the pack. So 73 points all out another green arrow and I just keep it moving into the midweek fixtures. That's the thing about you is you you have all of the players that people are looking to get already in place. You have no urgent moves to make. You're in a really good spot. And I have to call you out here, Books, because you were messaging us earlier in the week saying that you would like to take a hit for Tommy Asu. And if you would have done that, you would have got like an extra six points, I think. So everything you touch just turns to gold, as I keep saying. And it's it's driving me crazy, to be honest. I want to just correct you. It would have been an extra 10 points because Cash got benched and had the cameo for one point. Tomiyasu, 11 points, but he comes off injured. So all in all, yeah, I probably would have had to make an additional transfer, but holy shit, I'm I'm just, my gut is is really tuned in to what's going on in the Premier League right now. So that beer you're drinking. Uh, so it's the big, it's the big gut of a dad bod. Exactly. That's why it's, uh, it <laughs> exactly. has a strong radar because it has a strong gravitational pull. Let's go to the average this game week, 54 points, pretty strong game week across the board. I think we were seeing some really nice scores in the eighties and nineties. And obviously, you know, on the flip side, there's probably a lot of scores with managers in the forties that didn't get so lucky or had a, a number of halls stuck on their bench. So 54 points, that's a, a pretty quality game week, all things considered, especially when you factor in that Holland and Sala both didn't really haul and they were the two main captaincy options. So uh, kind of smooth sailing for FPL managers, but this is where the waters get really choppy going into the festive fixtures. We will have the next game week, game week 15 kicks off on Tuesday morning. So make sure to set your bus team as you are listening to this podcast, which will go up on Monday morning. And yeah, let's take our first break. When we come back, we'll recap the action from game week 14. Okay, and we're back. So let's go ahead and talk about the game week 14 games that went on this week, starting with Liverpool. So how did you feel about that Liverpool game, Bucks? That was kind of crazy, right? Oh my God, I feel like if you're a Liverpool supporter, you need to have a strong drink after that match, both for good and for bad, because the fact that they conceded three goals to arguably, if not the worst, then one of the three worst attacks in the league is seriously concerning at Anfield. But the balls, the balls on this Klopp-led team are mucho, mucho grande. They're humongous. 
And Trent Alexander-Arnold was the one who really had the energy of that in this match. He has a f- unbelievable free kick that's ruled an own goal. I think that's really hard done for those on Trent. And then he gets a beauty goal for the game winner. I mean, what can what can you say? Liverpool deserves to be second in the table, and they might even deserve more uh, based on some of the VAR decisions that have gone against them this season. So very impressive from the Reds and what they're putting together. Yeah, they're looking back to their best for sure. They're so attacking. They look so dangerous. It has to be said, um, Allison is a big miss for them. I think they looked a lot weaker defensively. I know Wolves conceded three to Fulham away from home, but Liverpool are a different gravy to Wolves. They should not be conceding three goals at home to Fulham for sure. I think the first one, the Wilson goal, was one 10 out of 10. Allison keeps out. I mean, it was near post, wasn't that hard hit, and kind of just uh, got Kelleher looking like a crazy person there with his arms going the wrong way, his legs going the wrong way, and then the ball just kind of trickles through him right into the back of the net. It's going to be a big loss. Allison going out is, he's the best goalie in the Premier League to my eye, and I think it's almost unquestionable that he's one of the best five or so goalies in the world. Absolutely. I, I, and I think um, Trent Alexander-Arnold was looking like a, a really good differential, and I still think he can be, um, despite his price. But I am very concerned that they're just not going to keep clean sheets with Kelleher and Goal. Totally agree. We're on the same page there. I, I actually thought Simikas would be a really popular move for next week. But I think probably the move is just to go for Kelleher. He's so cheap. He's an easy move if you have a luxury transfer for the Sheffield United fixture. And any other clean sheet, any other save points he gets after this match will just be gravy because I don't think you're really expecting much from the Liverpool defense. Yeah, and this is actually a really nice transition because as we saw this week, we saw that Nick Pope looks like he's got a serious injury with his dislocated shoulder, which now means we have another 3.9 million goalkeeper due to start for Newcastle, Dubravka. So I think if you went early on Kelleher for Liverpool, you're probably kind of regretting it because I think Dubravka is a, a better pick. Long term, for sure. But I think next game week, it's it's hard to see any way that Dubrovka is going to outscore Keller. I mean, Sheffield United are just that bad right now. Yeah. But as we know, um, FPL is a game of more than one game week, so I, I wouldn't worry too much about that. And I see Dubrovka getting a lot of save points because Everton are very good at home. So I, I think I would definitely be looking to bring in Dubrovka if I had a luxury transfer, which I personally do not. Dan, you're burying the lead. I know you're a Wolves fan, and your guy, Jose Sa, went off injured, and his replacement, Bentley, came on. And I don't think I've ever seen this. He got a clean sheet and bonus points. So he ends up as the top-scoring goalie in the game week, only playing 67 minutes with an eight-pointer. Holy shit. Yeah, I'm just going to pretend that first 20 minutes didn't happen and just say we kept a clean sheet and we beat, and we beat Arsenal 1-0, and all is good. But yeah, in terms of Bentley, it looks like Jose Sarr's injury is not that bad. Apparently, it's just a few back spasms or something like that. So I don't expect him to miss any games. And if he does, it's going to be one or two at most. So I, w- I would definitely not be bringing in Bentley. Yeah, so to summarize, I think as a podcast, we advocate targeting Dubrovka if you have a luxury transfer. Maybe this isn't the best game week to make that move, but... It is going to be a move that is going to be super popular. And I think it it breathes new life into the Turniola combo because I think it's so easy to sell Turner to Dubrovka, jump on a really nice fixture rotation between West Ham and Newcastle, 
Obviously, I think we'll just be going Newcastle in that situation because West Ham stink. However, I think that's such a pragmatic move. If you had two free transfers going into game week 14, I think it's almost certain that one of them should be a goalie move. How about you? I would agree with that. I'm just very jealous that I do not have two free transfers and I most certainly will have to use my transfer elsewhere. But as you said, if you have a luxury transfer, I think it makes total sense. Ariella is just a pile of shit, isn't he? He's not it. I there was a fa- he conceded on the first shot on target from Crystal Palace today. It's just one of those seasons for West Ham. I mean, they can't get anything right. Even when they're going so good, they eventually make one slight screw up. And Ariel is not at the level where he's going to be saving a team as a goalkeeper. He's he's not anywhere close to a guy like Allison, let alone Jose Sa. I mean, he's he's pretty far off that. I'm kind of hoping that everyone transfers out Ariella to Dubravka and then I have to keep him because I have no choice. And then he gets his first clean sheet and I can finally start gloating on this podcast. So uh, that, that, would, that would be elite level jam for you. I, I don't see it coming in game week 15 to say the least, but we can dream. Speaking of Newcastle, let's stay there and talk about Kieran Trippier. The guy has been so consistent. I mean, even when Newcastle concede, he's such a bonus point magnet that the fact that he got a 12-point haul, as soon as he had the assist, it was pretty much guaranteed he was going to be on three bonus, right? Yeah, every assist for Trippier is six points because he is guaranteed all of the bonus points, every assist he gets. So his ceiling is so, so high. And he could have got more with that amazing free kick that hit the bar and came down and hit the lion. I was devastated when that didn't go in, especially that didn't go in. I know. I I think Brian would have quit the podcast altogether since he only has Lascelles and no Trippier. Uh, So thankfully that didn't go in for his sake and for our podcast sake. But wow, I I also was counting those points. I thought that went in for sure. So that was a little cruel and unusual. No clean sheets though. I mean, that's the problem with some of these defender and goalkeeper transfers. You're, you're kind of, betting on a miracle almost this season because a lot of the teams that historically have been great defenses, Arsenal right now are top of the table from an advanced stats and the overall stats perspective from a defensive point of view. And they're also screwing up, screwing around and getting caught out, conceding a goal here and there. So I don't know. I just, the fact that Newcastle, Burnley and Everton are the only teams that keep a clean sheet shows how wacky a FPL season it's been. Yeah, the only team I really trust is Newcastle at home. Even away from home, I don't trust Newcastle. I'm, I'm, I'm not sure they're going to keep a clean sheet against Everton away from home. But at home, for sure, Newcastle's just looking unstoppable. And Livermento, by the way, is looking really good at his price, getting seven points that last game. You know, he's, he's really nailing down that left wing-back spot. Yeah, and he looked incredible in the Champions League too, I thought. So uh, I'm a little more happy with that pick as the days tick on. But uh, obviously, I'm on a Newcastle triple up right now. So I am forbidden and blocked from getting Dubrovka. And I think, yes, the upside is there with Livermento, but it's such an easier slot to fill and just forget about Dubrovka there at goalie. So I, uh, I'm not going to you know burn a minus four to figure that out. That'll be a couple game weeks down the road. We just talked about Arsenal. So I think let's double click there. Gunners, top of the table. Did you... Have any positive or negative takeaways from their match against Wolves? Well, let's just say the first 13 minutes was a disaster. I don't own Saka, so the fact that Saka scored just made it so much worse. But to go 2-0 down and get destroyed as much as we did after 13 minutes, it was looking really, really, really bad. But then, 
all of a sudden, Wolves kind of turned it on. They played a lot better. They were a lot more structured. Arsenal could not break them down. And to get a 2-1 loss at Emirates, I think, is a decent result. I think we played quite well, especially missing Lamina and Gomez. And Wolves did have chances to get the equalizer. I think the 2-1 scoreline is a little flattering to Wolves if you only watch the first half. But if you watch the whole game, I think that's one of the big things with Arsenal right now. They're they're just not they're not like killing teams the way that they were last season, specifically in attack. And I think that's where teams like Chelsea are getting found out and dropping points. And Arsenal are now falling into that same category because they're not scoring three, four goals every time out. If a team can pip one back and all of a sudden it's two one, then the nerve set in. And even though they were at home. I think there was a groan across the Emirates when they conceded that goal because the entire stadium knew that they were vulnerable to give up a second. And I think on a different day, Wolves, if they had Neto specifically, I think they might, they would have gotten the equalizer and probably earned a point. Yeah, and it's yet another game when they've scored a goal. As I keep constantly repeating, they are not a team to target for clean sheets anymore. They're, they're going to score most games. Agreed. And... Zinchenko, I think, was the one clearly at fault there. But yes. otherwise, I thought he had a really good game. And I think optimistically, if you have Zinchenko in already, you might be a step ahead because with Tomiyasu going out, I think it means that Zinchenko is almost nailed during this festive fixture run to get a lot, a lot of minutes. So he's the most attacking. He's the most bonus point aggregating of the back four right now. And he would be the one that I would target, not Saliba, not Gabriel, even though he's slightly premium compared to Gabriel. I think he's 0.4 million more. What do you think? Who would be your defensive target if you were bringing an Arsenal player? Well, let me just caveat that by saying I think it's too late to bring in an Arsenal defender right now. If you don't have one already, I probably wouldn't bring in another one. But if I did, I think I still favor Saliba just for that nailedness over the Christmas period. I know Zinchenko, his minutes are going to go up because of what happened to Tommy Asso. But I would still be nervous that he gets an injury or he comes off early. So it kind of puts me off. I like your commentary about being too late for Arsenal, considering that I have zero of their assets currently. And I know you're only on one of them, right? You're only no, on I Gabriel. Ju- I just have Gabriel. I have no plans to bring in a second one. I think their fixtures will turn in three or four game weeks and then they get a really nice run. I think at that point, probably bring in another one. But if you've only got one right now, I don't think it's worth bringing in another one for essentially just the Luton fixture. Yeah, we're going to want them after the kind of blank game week 18 situation. But I think you just stand pat if you're in a situation like Dan and I. Let's talk about Brentford. They were another team highly favored this game week, and they were one of the favorites to keep a clean sheet. I have a Obviously. rant about this, books. I'm sorry, I have to interrupt Go, it. go, go, go crazy. So I took a minus four this week and I put in Pinnock. Now, everything pointed to Luton being terrible at set pieces. And I thought Pinnock is the one with the highest XG. He's the one that's going to get all those chances. And I just hate that my theory was so correct. Apart from it was Ben fucking me that got all of the points. So Pinnock comes away with two points, meaning my minus four from cash did not pay off. And then Ben me gets away with 14. So I just hate it when... The theory is all correct, but it's the other player that does all the business. I just have yeah, to get you, that out there. Your process was definitely right. And I think Ben Mee is like an uber differential. And this was the game week he hauled. He was the joint top scorer in the game week with 14 points. 
That's shocking, to say the least. And even more shocking is that Brentford scored three goals. They were in cruise control for most of this match. And yet Brian Mbomo leaves with only an assist. Super disappointing as he was he was labeled as, I think, the priority must-get-in player this game week. And that's just becoming such a trap this season of FPL. It's, it's very bizarre. Yeah, there really are no essential players in FPL. Outside of potentially Haaland and Salah, I mean, even they're not essential, but if you don't own them, you, you're kind of fucked. But outside of them, I don't think anyone's really essential. And Bumo, he got five points. Gordon got 10 points, for example. You know, you, you didn't have to bring in Mbuma. But I have to say, to come away from that Brentford game with just seven points from Pinnock and Mbuma combined, really disappointed about that. Brutal. Total brutal variance. Because their goal was so dumb, too. They just gave it to them, and they put it in the back of the net. I mean, obviously that's going to happen. When, when your wing back or your right back, right back or left, when their left back just passed it to the other team, that's going to end up in the back of the goal. There's no one there to defend it. I mean... That and the Arsenal mistake were, were so comical. You see that stuff in beer league, and then the player gets ripped off. Yeah, I mean, that was like Luton's only shot on target, I think. So that was just infuriating. All right, let's transition to talk about some teams that are really doing well, specifically Villa. And I think it's about time that we properly give Ollie Watkins his flowers and his kudos. He is so clearly the second best striker in the league right now. He's on 17 attacking returns. And yes, there were doubts about his fitness. He's a fitness monster. I should have known better. That's the junkyard dog we're talking about. He starts, he gets a goal, an assist, and two bonus points, rewarding managers like you with 11 huge points, another haul for Ollie. And yeah, I mean, Diaby starts. I think he was rumored to be benched for this one. Diaby gets benched, excuse me. He was rumored to be missing out, and that came true. Cash as well. But Diaby comes on and actually does the business. He gets an assist, whereas Cash comes on and just moves his hair around for the for the cameras. It was brutal performance from Matty this game week. Yeah, and just to talk about Watkins a bit more, he's just a great, great player. He's guaranteed 90 minutes, which is what you want over this fixture period. He's actually a very, very good finisher. That header he scored was incredible. It was a very, very difficult finish, and he made it. It was so behind easy. him. Those are yeah. so hard. That was a uh, great shout. I, I'm glad you pointed that. That was an increasingly difficult ball to put in the back of the net the way he did. Yeah, he's not just a tapping merchant, which I think some people have the impression he is. He's actually a, a good finisher. I know he misses a lot of chances, but so does Haaland. Haaland misses more even, and we'll talk about that later. But Ollie Watkins is a great finisher. Like I said, 90 minutes. He's central to everything that Villa do. I have no qualms about starting him against Man City. I think he can haul against Man City even the way they've been defending. So I have no plans to take Ollie Watkins out for the foreseeable future. As far as Diaby, let's, I would... let's let's drill in on that. So you have Watkins. You're not going to sell him despite the upcoming home fixtures against City and Arsenal, if I'm hearing you correctly. Is he a must start if you have him in your team? I think so. I, I don't see any reason why you would bench Ollie Watkins, especially with Aston Villa being at home. We've seen that Man City concede. We've seen that Arsenal can concede even against Wolves. So why can't they concede against Aston Villa? So I, I'm starting him for sure. I don't know who you would bench for him. Yeah, I agree. I think if you have him, he's earned the distinction of being a must-start. He's fixture-proof right now. And I think especially since these two matches are at home, Villa are just so good with home cooking 
I think they've won 13 or 14 in a row in front of their home crowd. So I would start him with confidence. And actually, I think that Man City match, because they're going to be counterattacking, I think he he actually might be a better captaincy option than Holland in this match based on the way those teams are playing. That sounds crazy. And you'll see neither of those guys are going to be my pick for game week 14. But I don't think that's that's actually insane. If you were looking to really be differential, if you have Holland, if you have Salah, maybe this is the game week to back a wild pick like Watkins. I mean, that's that's a very, very books world pick. I think if I was going differential, I would go for Hung Min Sen. But you know, like I keep saying, everything you say is correct lately. So go ahead, listeners. Captain Watkins. It's it's definitely out there. That's uh, that's how I like to play the game. Let's go yeah, to I, Bowen. I, sorry. Sorry, let me let me just talk about Diaby for one second. So I was devastated to see that he was on the bench, especially after Palmer being on the bench too. I thought I was in for a really bad game week. And then he comes on and he makes the cross at Watkins and he gets the assist, finishes on four points, which was quite a, a good rank rise for me. And now, because he was benched in this game, he's likely to start against Man City. So I'm debating, do I take him out? We'll talk about this later, but I just want to call out Diaby. He, they're a lot better with him in the team, I feel. He's so much better than Zaniola, who, oh my God, that guy's junk. <laughs> Zaniola is like uh, the Italian pizza hut. You know, you, uh, you're eating pizza in Italy, but it's not really Italian pizza, so to speak. That's the Zaniola experience. Let's go to West Ham. The Hammers were on fire to start the season, but it just seems like they're in such a weird place right now. A lot of their key players are injured or coming up with flags. And Bowen is flagged all the way coming up to the kind of pressers. He's still flagged. Game comes. He's starting at a position as striker. So you love to see it if you held the faith which I definitely did not. I ripped him out of my team like a scab that was going old on my body, and he blanked. But Kudus, he's the one really feasting right now. This is third return in the last two matches. He looks fantastic. Yeah, to start off with Bowen, I'm actually glad I didn't get news that he was going to start, because if I did, I would have kept him. Because I saw that he's potentially going to be out, I used his friends to downgrade to Parma so I could bring in Huang Min Sen. So that turned out very good for me. Um, so I'm glad he wasn't fit. But yeah, if if you have him, you now have him for a, a good amount of fixtures going forward. But they are not looking great, are they? And like you said, Kudus is looking really good. He's playing off the front player, um, Bowen, and he's getting the chances, he's getting the shots. He had a lot more shots than Bowen did today. So He had a lot more price, shots and a lot more energy. I think that yeah. was the big thing I took away from the highlights was like when there was a loose ball, 50-50 in the final third, Kudus was like four or five steps ahead of Bowen. I don't think we saw that at all in the run-up before this injury. Bowen always seems like he's he's got the knack to be there first, to arrive at the right time in the box, whether early or late. And now it's looking like Kudus is the one that's uh, got the hustle, he's got the form, and he's hot, hot like Wasabi. Anything else we should shout out for West Ham? Avoid their defense. They're just junk, aren't they? I'm... You still have double up, don't you? Or did you get rid of? Zuma? No, thank God. I moved off <laughs> the cat burglar a long time yeah. ago. And uh, this Areola guy, it's like you're, you know, you're scrolling, you want to see the nip, but you're just getting the taste of this, like the edge, the Areola edge. And you know what? Then the kind of content warning alert comes in and just crushes your whole experience. And that's him conceding every single game in and game out. The guy sucks. Fuck Areola. 
French bastard. <laughs> I think I need to clip this audio of you saying, I wanted the nip, but I'm just getting the edge of the areola. It's just too perfect. Sorry to my lovely family. Let's go <laughs> to my team, Chelsea. They win ugly, really, really ugly. This team cannot be trusted defensively at the moment. And I went Sterling over Palmer as my transfer in. I think it made sense. Sterling looked good. Palmer was rested. He picked up a mysterious knock in training. Both them blank. So, uh, yeah, I think I wouldn't I wouldn't race to bring in Enzo. I wouldn't race to bring in Mudrick based on this performance. I think they're just a wait and see. If you have Palmer, you hold him, you start him. If you have Sterling like me, you hold him, you start him. But I will not be making I would not advise making any transfers to bring Chelsea guys in at the moment. I don't know. I I think Palmer and and Sterling, with the fixtures they have coming up, I think they're okay to bring in, personally. I'm a little nervous about Sterling. I see your reasoning for bringing in Sterling. I'm a little nervous the fact he's on four yellows and they're getting some injuries back. And we've seen from Palmer that the slightest niggle and you're going to get rested. Um, so, yeah, I, I wouldn't double up anymore. I was actually tempted to double up come 16, but I'm not sure I would do that anymore. But I'm still fine with bringing one of these guys in, especially given their price. I agree, but I think I would wait. I think the there's so much flux right now at Chelsea, just like there is at Man United. I could see that being like a head-bashing match for both fan bases. So I, it's too tight to call. Let's, let's close it out. Let's talk about the final match of the game week, which was City hosting Spurs. Spurs seem like the kryptonite to Pep. It's very interesting. They They seem to have his number. The most wins against Pep is by Spurs, and it's not even close. I mean, we could do a whole pod about this game. How crazy was that? Insane. I brought in Sun, so when he scored, I was like, yes, finally my hit is justified. And then straight away, he goes up the other end and gets the own goal. It's just unbelievable. Um, there's too much to talk about in this game. One, Brian, one Brian I... was saying it was a brace. The, this Sun, he's the best finisher. He just Sometimes he gets it in the wrong goal. True, true. And he got the assist, of course, too, for, um, who was it, La Salso to get the 11 points, so 10 points, sorry. So, you know, Sun's looking good. And another player I want to call out is Kulisevsky. He's been playing in that number 10 role with the absence of Madison, and he looks really good there, and he's getting some chances, he's getting assists, he's getting goals. And he's only, what, 7 million. So he's someone I've actually got my eye on as a, a differential. I don't think I'll go there because he's not usually explosive, but I do have my eye on him. I think it's a new season with Spurs. All of our old assumptions, our expectations of their players and their output are totally thrown out the door under Ange because I agree with you. Kulu was the player outside of Sun that jumped off the page. I thought he actually outplayed a number of the more talented FPL-wise better picks from Man City like Foden and Alvarez, and he ends up on 12 points. That's a baker's dozen that you would love to have in your locker going into the next game week. Yeah, and he's also nailed. He plays every single game for Tottenham, which is what you want in this Christmas period. I know I keep saying that, but I cannot emphasize the importance of getting players who you're just confident are going to play, especially if you have a, a weak bench like I do. And Kulu is one of those players. I agree. I like the pick, and I think he's a mega differential. Let's close out this recap by talking about Erling Holland. Two assists, one yellow card. Probably could have gotten a third assist. Probably... Should have gotten a goal. Dude, what was that? He was through on goal, Grealish, and then the referee just pulls it back. What was all that about? Well, he gave he gave the the advantage 
And then when Holland stood up and kicked it, he saw that I think Grealish was so far away onside and in on goal. He blew it. I've never, that was so weird. The refereeing in the Premier League is so opposite the level of the league. I mean, the league is so clearly number one and the refereeing is so piss poor. I, you know, I'd freak out if I saw that level of competition and officiating at my four-year-old daughter's pickup league, let alone in the best league in the entire world. That's crazy. Yeah, it's just getting worse and worse and worse too, especially with VAR. It's driving me crazy, to be honest, and they need to fix it. I don't know if they will, but they better. Let's just lastly mention that both Rodri and Grealish are ruled out for the next match for Manchester City away at Aston Villa for five yellow card suspensions. So if you have Doku, he's a player you start with confidence. But I agree with what you were saying earlier about Villa and if you have Watkins starting him because they're going to be going against a weakened City side at home. And right now, City are conceding a couple goals a game. So they are not the best defense that we would have tapped them to be coming into this season. So I think, uh, yeah, start Watkins, probably start Holland and expect that there's going to be a lot of goals in that one. All right, so let's look ahead to the, the midweek fixtures, starting with Arsenal at Luton. Now, this has whole potential written all over it, doesn't it, Books? Totally. I would be starting Saka, potentially even giving him the armband if you had him with confidence in this one. He's been trickling in the points. He hasn't been a mega hauler, but nothing screams get right like playing the Lutonians. <laughs> I'm nervous not owning Saka for this game, more so than I was against Wolves. Um, I'm going to be hiding behind the sofa for this one. And I just hope Luton perform the way I know they can do at home. I think they're actually pretty decent at home. And I'm hoping they, you know, they play very defensive and they just shut Saka out. But, you know, I'm not confident about it. 3-0 to Arsenal. Easy, <sighs> breezy. I'm just hoping maybe Saka doesn't get multiple. Liverpool at Chef U. That's the next one. Another soon-to-be carnage-filled match for a team in the relegation zone. This one has got absolutely nothing but a Liverpool. What what do you want to call it? Seven seven nothing. Do you think we'll see more or less goals this time around? I think I think it's going to be five nil. I'm going to go for five nil. And I think if you have Salah, you captain him. I think if you own Salah and you don't captain him versus Sheffield United, then there's there's no point even owning him to be honest. So. Sheffield United are just, they're so bad. I've, I've never seen a team that bad in the Premier League. What do you think? Do you think they're the worst team to ever be in the Premier League? Because I, I think they are. I thought it was Luton, honestly, coming into this season. But Chef, you are putting a whole different level of stank out on the pitch. And they're getting red cards. They're just doing dumb shit that professional teams that want to actually stay up in the Premier League don't do. So, I don't know. The fact that Burnley put five past them, I think this could get really ugly. Liverpool from an XG perspective, are the best attack in the league, going against the clear worst defense, and like Dan said, probably the worst team maybe ever in the Premier League. RIP Chef United fans and any of their players for FPL, that's for sure. Let's go to the last one. Newcastle at Everton. What do you think? You think it's going to be tight. I see it on your face. I do. I, 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 think, I think Newcastle will win, but I think Everton score this game. Everton, as I keep saying on this podcast, are a very, very good team. In fact, if they didn't get that 10-point deduction, I think they'd be comfortably above Wolves. I think they were going to be, what, 10th, 9th? 
If they, they would be, they would be, they would be, I think 11th or 12th. Uh, they would okay. be around 18 points or 19 points based on their performance, which is right where Chelsea are. So uh, it's pretty damning of my Chelsea blues to say the least. <laughs> but it is, but it's also kudos to Everton. They, they just look like a really good outfit. They have some great players. They play some good football. They're very well structured. And I see at Goodison Park, they've given Newcastle a real challenge. So I'm going to go 2-1 Newcastle here. Ah, I'm going to start double Newcastle defense. So I think 2-0. And I think it's a tight 2-0. But I think Newcastle, even with the depleted side, have too much to offer. Ducore quick... is scoring. Ducore is scoring in this Oh, game. no way. I, I gave him credit earlier in the season. But <laughs> he he stinks now. He The Monstars came and got him. Let's talk about the best matches in real life. All right, let's switch gears and look at the best matches in real life in the Premier League in this midweek game week 15 fixture set. Starting with a match we've discussed a bunch already, Manchester City traveling to the Villains. What say you on this match, Dan? I think Man City win this one, but I do see Aston Villa scoring at least one goal. Man, like we said, Man City just don't look great defensively. And actually, more credit to Aston Villa. They look very, very good offensively. So I think this will be a really good game. And I'm quite happy to start Watkins as we keep repeating. Yeah, I see 3-2 to the citizens. They need a result. I think they need this game arguably more than... Aston Villa right now, they've dropped three straight with just draws. And Pep doesn't go four game weeks without getting a victory. And so I think he turns it around in a very tight and cagey contest with some wildly entertaining finishes. But I, I think City have enough fa- firepower to get it done. You're right. Next up, we have Brentford at Brighton. And I think this is another game. I think all three games we're going to talk about here are going to be great games, with all with goals. I really can't call this one. I think I think Brighton might sneak this one. I think this might be the one where they, they turn it on. You know, every now and again, they, they just have a random game where they turn it on and get the victory. I think this might be it. Yeah, I think importantly for Brighton, I expect Matoma and Jao Pedro both to start from the outset. And no more of this fucking round with their kind of B or kind of one and a half squad out there i think they need some results rdz is being a little found out right now with the premier league and they're just not getting results they're dropping points and they're not keeping clean sheets worth a damn this is a get right contest in front of the home crowd going into the festive fixture run they need it they need it they need it i agree with that and also there are a lot of people this week who have benching dilemmas so i do want to call out that if you have mbumo i think he's a definite start for this game i know we're saying Brighton are going to win, but they still can't defend. So I would 100% start Mbuma this game. I think this one has wild goal fest written all over it. I think it could be 3-3. I think it could be 4-3. I would not be surprised if there are over four and a half goals in this match, to say the least. Last one, my Chelsea Blues at Manchester United. How are Manchester United so high in the goddamn table? What the F is going on this season? I have no idea. I mean, the victories they've had have been quite lucky, haven't they? They just they just look so bad. Really, really terrible. The player that pisses me off is Rashford. What the hell has happened to him? He just doesn't give a shit. 
Oh, his effort levels. That's one thing. We sh- This is a great point that you're making. Watching the Arsenal wingers play defense and then watching Rashford play defense, it's like you're watching two different sports. I mean, one of them is like Martinelli and Saka, to their credit, do not breathe until they win the ball back in defense. They are always working to help the team. Rashford, he's like throwing his arms up. He's like kind of looking there like he's just going to get the ball back based on kind of him staring at the guy hard enough. Ten Hag has a lot of sorting out to do with this team. I mean, they are the good, bad team right now. They're high in the table. They're not very impressive. I uh, I think Chelsea win this. Maybe that's my bias. What do you think? No, I agree. With I think it's going to be close. I do think Man United will turn up this game because Chelsea are, are a good outfit. Um, one nil to Chelsea, I'm going to say. Wow! Because of wow! How, how bad I, I think both Man teams both teams is. are going to concede. Chelsea Chelsea defense look horrible. I mean, we're talking about the issues in the City defense. Chelsea are shipping goals to even a nine man Tottenham side. They were letting goals in left and right. I think two one, optimistic that Chelsea get it done. We'll see. They have Reese James back. I mean, I know he's not a great defender, but you know, I, I just see them sneaking this one one now. I would love that. I would absolutely love that. Let's transition and close out this episode like we do every episode. Let's dive into our transfer plans and captaincy shouts. Black Wolf, tell the listeners what our fellow podcast host Brian is thinking this game week because I think he was getting a little scatterbrained as he's taking on that long drive home. I think so, yeah. So Brian has one free transfer and 1.2 million in the bank. He is actually eyeing up a hit to swap Ferguson and Chuck Wimenka for Mubama and a mid under 7.2 million. I think I butchered all three of those names, but whatever. Um, so yeah, he's looking better, for a mid. Better you than me, Dan. Come on. I know. I know. It's all that stupid Ninian stuff that's get into my head here but. this is not a pronunciation <laughs> police podcast by any means sorry listeners i will lose my english passport if i mispronounce any names it's just how it works but anyway yes brian is looking for a midfielder under 7.2 million and he's also considering grabbing dubravka now you know i don't mind it however i think i would avoid the hit this week this is as you've seen from me this week hits are just not paying off lately um I think Ferguson, oh, I don't know though, Bucks, because Ferguson played 90 minutes. I see him getting rested this game. Tukwameka is, is injured, right? He's not going to play at all. Yeah, he's injured. He's he's not ready to come back. I almost think he has to do it because he also has cash. So he has other issues elsewhere yeah. in his team. Yeah. So I don't know. I feel like if you're at Brian's rank, the move is just to play smart but aggressive. So if you don't love your starting eleven. I really don't mind taking a minus four hit to get in players you're more jazzed about. So let's say he moves Ferguson to Jao Pedro. I know he won't do this because he has a total vendetta against Brighton right now, but Jao Pedro is more likely to start and he's on penalties versus Ferguson. So I don't hate it in isolation, but again, if you're looking to just grab the points today and kind of reevaluate your team next week, like Brian is, that's a move that makes sense. Even going for a guy like Solanke makes sense, I think. They're at similar price points. Get the guy you don't like out, bring in a guy you're more excited about. 
Yeah, I personally don't like the, the Jao Pedro shout because I think you're just going to have the same issues as Ferguson. But I do like Solanke as an option. He has some good fixtures coming up. He's their main man. But I think he's looking to downgrade Ferg to and go to a 3-5-2, which I think kind of makes sense. But it really depends on who he brings in for that 7.2 million. I think he was eyeing up Gordon, the same as me. And the good thing about that is Gordon, by the time he brings him in, is going to be, what, 6 million, 6.1 million, perhaps? Which is going to leave him with more money in the bank than he can upgrade players next week. So I think I like that move the best. I don't hate that move, but let me explain why I don't love it. Right now, Gordon is flagged. So until we know that he's okay, right? Newcastle don't have tons of options of fit players. So I expect Gordon will play, especially with the form he's in. But again, I I wouldn't be like jumping to make that move early based on the unknown of his fitness. And I also just think that the fixtures are so much better in game week 16 on the weekend that's almost like take one more game week to digest the information and then make the moves then so we don't know how Dubrovka is going to look behind that Newcastle back four and how they all work together and we'll learn a lot in that Everton match like you said it, it's probably going to be not the easiest cupcake walk of a W for the Gordies so I almost think that just make the move get Ferg out and set yourself up to take a minus four next week when you know more and when maybe it makes more sense who the obvious midfield target is in game week 16. I think we can agree to disagree on this one. I, I, I still think making that move for the 3-5-2 this week has the best upside. And the reason I'm saying that also, Books, because I also am in a very similar spot. Just to move on to my team, I have one free transfer. I have 0.6 million in the bank. And I am looking most likely to take out Diaby, which would leave me with 7.3 million in the bank for a midfielder. So I'm in the exact same spot as Brian. So for me, my options are keep Diaby for one more week because I think he'll start against Man City. However, I'm not too keen on the the double up there and he, he's not going to haul, is he? So I'm thinking keep Diaby or possibly move to Gordon or to Hwanky Chan or to someone spicy like Kulisevsky. But I think if Gordon is fit, it's most likely going to be Gordon I bring in. Um, and that will also give me funds next week to upgrade my defense, because my defense is a, a shit show. How about Bowen? Can you can you stretch to Bowen, or you're just short? I'm, I'm just short. I have 7.3 million. Oh, so that's actually... brutal. You're just short. Ah, oh, that sucks. Yeah, I'm just short of Luis Diaz too. I was thinking Luis Diaz might be a nice little difference. Although he didn't perform this weekend, but you know, it's one game week. I think against Sheffield United, if he starts, might be a good game for him. But yeah, right, could I think be a good makes... game week for, for my grandma if she started in that fixture. <laughs> yeah, true. But I think it makes sense for me to downgrade Diaby. And then that will leave me at least 1 million in the bank to upgrade my defense. Because don't forget in my defense, I have Udogi still, who I'm not happy with. I have Kabore. I have Gabriel, who's... I'm not loving him, and I have Pinnock. So I think I might use my, my funds to upgrade a defender next week or even make that goalkeeper move, depending on injuries I have or anything like that. So I, I think it makes most sense for me to go for, for Gordon or Hwanky Chan. I rate it. I love Gordon. He's been uh, jammy AF for me as uh, another blonde lad with a big nose, and uh, I totally rate that. He's, he's my guy. This well, season. I want to I want to bring him in and break him so that you can't keep getting the points from him every single week. No, he's on, he's under my spell of of good returns. 
All right, let me close it out. I'm on one free transfer, 1.2 million in the bank. I had planned to go cash to Poro if I kept him. That was that was what was penciled in on my notebook when the game week started for game week 14. I'm probably just going to skip that move for the time being. I'm going to roll so I have two free transfers. I could also move Turner to Dubrovka. I really like that to get an optimal Newcastle. But the problem is I have a triple up already. And just Turner to Kelleher seems like a wasted transfer, even though they are playing Sheffield United. So I think probably just roll is my move. What say you about that? I agree. And it's actually a point I wanted to make. I think at this point of the season, if you can roll, I think it's a very, very good week to roll. And I think having two free transfers are so valuable in these next few weeks. that if you're in the position to roll, you should do it. I personally would love to roll, but I just think I have too many issues where I, I can't really do it unless I keep Diaby, which again is an option. But for you and your team, I think it's an easy roll. Yeah. So speaking of easy decisions, the three of us are all on fairly easy decisions as far as captaincy goes. We're all on the Egyptian King. We back Mo Salah to absolutely torment Sheffield United and help expedite their effing out of the Premier League. I think that's an episode, Dan. You want to tell the listeners where they can find us? Yeah, so you can find us at at FPLUSA Press Play on X, and you can also find us on Spotify, Apple Play, all those usual places that you listen to your podcasts. You can find Brian at at FPLUSA Brian, Books at FPLUSA Books, and me at at FPL underscore Blackwolf. I like to be different, you know, so I don't have the USA hashtag in there but you can find me on x as well we embrace you as one of our own dan despite being a member of the losing side of the 1776 great conflict we still love you as one of our own cheap shot yeah that's that's how i operate thank you for listening to the fpl usa press play podcast again find us on social media We'd appreciate all five-star ratings and a follow or subscribe, depending on your preferred podcast platform. Wishing you all a most festive fixture run. Green arrows to come in game week 15. Thank you.